we uh, we started talking about uh, about this idea of um, the the theme that we have this year. Uh, we obviously started talking about at the beginning of the year connection, and uh, we. Uh, we've got these four C's that we're talking about, connection, commitment, com- competence. Last week, I, I put a wrong one there, so I, 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 was, I, I was corrected. The last four, uh, the last C is choice, our uh, choices, uh, and we'll be able to talk about that later on uh, in the year. So as far as commitment is concerned, uh, we, we have been talking about, obviously, the test of our commitment, uh, your commitment and my commitment before God. What should that look like? What should your commitment look like? And uh, last week we, were, we started learning about the lessons that we learned from the tests that Israel faced, right? And uh, who remembers the, the, the first test that Israel faced? It was the test of their, of their heart, yeah. So the test of their heart or their levav. Okay, uh, and uh, I was I was waiting. You know, this week I was waiting. I was waiting for an SMS or something or a WhatsApp from the campus student to tell me what was the next test, and I did not get it. Uh, I was looking forward. I was uh, looking forward to be challenged or to be called higher. Uh, I don't know if there, if there was any of the campus students who thought about this. So, what was the next test? It was the test of the Test of the, oh, okay, campus students, all right, amen, let's, okay, let's, let's learn from God together, let's, uh, uh, so, okay, let, let, before we do that, let's, let's read that, uh, re- let's read that together, it says, commitment means staying loyal to what you said uh, when you were going, <laughs> oh, sorry, commitment means staying loyal to what you said you're going to do long after the mood you said it in, has left you. In other words, sometimes we can say amazing things today. In the feeling and in the hope and in the excitement that we have. But two days later, we have forgotten what we said. And we have forgotten the commitment that we had initially. So think about that as we talk about commitment. But let's look at what was the what was the next test that Israel faced? What was it that Israel faced before God? What was the next test? Again, the test when God was talking about test, what was it? Uh, what do we remember? It was not about passing and failing, but it was just about God being able to what to experience His children's hearts. What was on Israel's heart? But at the same time, also God wanted to teach them a few lessons as they moved from the Red Sea to Mount Sinai. And uh, with that said, let's read Exodus chapter 16. We're going to read from verses 1 to 18. This is just coffee. Please don't, uh, don't think that I'm, I'm drinking something that, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's not righteous. It's, it's, it's just coffee. So, amen. So as you see me take a sip, it's just coffee, nothing else. Exodus 16. Uh, So it says from Exodus 16, the whole Israelite community set out from Elim. Remember at Elim, this is where they had the 12 springs and 70 palm trees, right? So they are coming from a place of plenty. 
So now they set out and as each time they set out, what would lead them? The cloud, right? So the cloud leads them by day and it turns into a pillar of fire by night. So the whole Israelite community, they, uh, they set out from Elim and they came to the desert of Sin. Interesting. Which is between Elim and Sinai. Uh, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites say to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots. Listen to what they're saying. There we sat around pots of meat. And ate all the food we wanted. But he have brought us out of this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then Moses said to, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them. Take note of that. Second test, right? In this way, I will test them and see what they will, uh, that they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they were to prepare what they bring in. Uh, that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has had your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, now let's just pause right here. When, 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 you, when, you, when you're reading the Bible and sometimes a person says something and then there's a pause and then it's like, then he also said, it means there was a, there was possibly a time lapse or there was uh, an expectation of a response, but the response did not come. So we can assume any of the two that the people did not say anything, but then also Moses goes on to add something else. He says in verse eight, Moses also said, you will know that this was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening. And all the bread you want in the morning. Because he has had your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us. But against the Lord. Verse 9. Then Moses said to Aaron. Say to the entire Israelite community. Come before the Lord. For he has heard your grumbling. While, while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community. They looked towards the desert. And there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight, you will eat meat. And in the morning, you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, They say to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone 
is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And, they, and when they measured by the omer, the one who, who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered as much as they needed. Now, I've got some good news and some bad news. Uh, when, after we read this past, particular passage, as far as the Israelites are concerned. Okay, so we'll start with the good news. We'll start with the good news at the tail end uh, of it. It's, it's, very, it's, it's just amazing to see that as far as God was concerned, or as far as uh, you know, the Bible was concerned, the Israelites in verse 17, isn't it amazing? They did as they were told. Good news, right? I mean, they are obeying, they're doing as much as, as they are told, right? I mean, right at the end here, you know, the manna has come down and so forth, and Moses gives them instructions, and they did as they were told. And now, campus guys will ask me, uh, in verse 16 there, or verse 17, it says, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Israelites, or verse 18, uh, they, they, they did as they were told, right? Some gathered much, some gathered little. What is that all about? <laughs> okay. How is it that some gathers much, some gathers little? Okay. So it's, it's interesting when you, when you look at, uh, when you look at the, the passage of scripture here. Uh, okay. Let's, let's go. Let's just uh, stay here on the, on this particular passage. They did as they were told. Remember in verse 16, they were told, take an armor for each person you have in your tent. What this simply means that, you know, when they, when some gathered much and some gathered little, it means the whole community went out and gathered what they needed. Don't you think that there would, be, there would have been some people who would have been sick and could not actually go out to gather? Don't you think that there were some people probably were not feeling well or probably they had a kid, baby or possibly for, for whatever reason? That's why Moses would have given that instruction, go and take for everybody within your tent. The community are, are, are able now to go out and gather as much as they needed. So when they come back, everybody has enough. Israel is learning. They are learning the lesson of community here. They are learning the lesson of being able to take care of each other. There are some things you've got to say that they're doing right. That's the good news. But here is some interesting news, or some bad news of there are some things that they still need to learn and God is going to start teaching them as we start looking at this. So at the beginning they start off by saying we, you know, we got here, but the cloud is now leading us from where we had plenty. Now, as we are going, we get to a place where God is saying, stay here. But at this particular place, there is no water. Can you imagine God is leading them? I mean, God knows what they need, right? But he leads them to a place where they, God knows for sure 
there is no water. So what does Israel start doing? They start grumbling, of course. I mean, you and I would do the same, right? We talked about how hard the desert is last week. We talked about how hard it is and how some of us would not even be able to manage staying in a desert or walking in a desert just for an hour, right? But what happens? What happens right at the end, what, right, right here is that Israel starts complaining and grumbling. What are we, uh, to be able to, to drink, uh, over here? And, and they start talking about, not, uh, uh they, they start talking about, look, did you bring us here so that we could be able to die? Did you bring us here, you know, you know, in Egypt, when we were in Egypt, we set around pots of, of meat and so forth. And then, here is what Moses starts addressing. He starts addressing the hearts. Again, when you look at it, he says, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and the bread you want in the morning. Moses is addressing the cravings that they've got. Moses seems to be addressing their hearts at this particular, at particular point. Moses is also helping them to see something here. He's helping them to see that, listen, you are in danger here. And, I mean, God, I, I, I look at this particular passage, and Moses adds what God had not said in the beginning. I don't know if you noticed that. God had only said, I'm going to write down bread. But then, God, in his mercy, ends up saying, at twilight, you'll eat meat, and in the morning, you'll be filled with bread. But he then adds Moses' words. He repeats Moses' words. Then you will know that I'm the Lord your God. I want you to remember that phrase. Then you will know that I'm the Lord, your God. There is something that's going on in Israel's hearts here that God wishes to address, that we're going to address as we go along. It's almost as though they are uncomfortable. They are becoming, they're they're having a lack of appreciation of who God is. They are having a lack of gratitude. And they are having a lack of fear of God. And God ends up, by his grace, honoring what they were craving. But let's go on. In Exodus 17, look at what happens. Let's read together from verse 1. Again, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They came that Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses. Give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us, uh, to make us and our children and our livestock? Die of first. Interesting. Again, they get to a place, Rephidim, 
Again, the cloud stops. There's no water. What do people do? They grumble and they crowd. Give us water to drink. In fact, at this stage, they are demanding the water. They are saying, give us this water. And Moses asks them this question. Why do you put the Lord to the test? Moses is addressing again their hearts. They are now putting God to the test. You know, in, uh, to a Hebrew, when you put God to the test, what you are doing is, they say you are refusing to give God your soul. It is your soul that is no longer willing to be given to God. You are now withholding your very soul to God. So, what test was this? It was the test of their soul. Israel's second test was the test of their soul. Now, when they address the soul, they say the soul is the essence of your being. It's your, what they call your nafesh. You know, today they talk about, you know, when scientists are talking about, you know, there's, there's one day that they're hoping, soon, one day that they're hoping that, can you imagine they're going to be able to take Rodwell and they'll take the stuff that's in his brain, how he thinks, how he, uh, the, you know, his, his chemistry, how he works and so forth, and take that and put that into a robot. Artificial intelligence, right? I mean, they are beginning to do that even with cars and so forth. But what do you call that? I mean, what would you call that? Would you call that uh, a road wall times two? <laughs> you know, in as much as science can be able to do that, the one thing that that machine will lack is your soul, Right? It might try to work the same way I work, uh, do things that I do or copy the way I do things, but it will miss the essence of my being, right? And so, need to think about my brothers and sisters this morning is that as and when we refuse to be moved by God, what we are withholding from God is our soul. So Israel here, they refuse to give God their soul. They refuse to be moved. In other words, they are starting to demand, to declare, before we go any further, we want water. Before he does anything, we need this. In fact, the Bible helps us. Let's go to Psalm 78. And you will learn a few things as Israel looks back at what had happened in Exodus chapter 16 and 17. It says from Psalm 78, from verse 17, it says, But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food, they craved. 
They spoke against God. They said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? True, he struck the rock and water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. But we, uh, but can he also give us bread? Can he supply meat for his people? When the Lord had them, he was furious. His fire broke out against Jacob and his wrath rose against Israel. For they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heavens. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them all to the food they could, uh, they could eat. He let loose the east wind from the heavens and by his power made the south blow. He rained meat down on them like dust, birds like sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp all around their tents. They ate till they were gorged. He had given them what they craved. But before they turned from, that, from what they craved, even while the food was still in their mouths, God's anger rose against them. He put to death the studiest among them, cutting down the young men of Israel. You know, the psalmist here helps us see, it's almost like he's looking back, they're reflecting back as far as what happened. You know, he talks about they willfully, in verse 18 here, they willfully put God to the test by demanding the food that they craved. Israel knew what they were doing here. Honestly, they, they knew what they were doing. You might say, okay, how? how? Remember what they said in, initially? They said, remember this scripture in Exodus 16 verse 3? They were set around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. If I was to tell you that they did not need meat, what would you tell me? You say, ah, no, no, there's something wrong with you, Rodwell, Right? But, check this out. When they left Israel, when they left Egypt, in Exodus 12 verse 38, it says in the Bible there, and also, they came out and also mixed multitude, went up with them, with what? Sheep, goats, and cattle. Which were what? Very numerous livestock. In fact, the very passage we read in Exodus 17, you see that also they were looking for water for them and their livestock. So what meat did they need? They didn't need any meat, right? It's, it's interesting when you actually reflect back, when you are looking at how now they are reflecting back and they are saying to themselves, come on, our forefathers here were messing up here. You know, they are making demands to God. They are craving things that they want. In, in other words, it was, not about, it was not about what they wanted. It was about their cravings. That's what it was. It was about, can God also provide this? Yes, God is keeping us alive, but can he do this as well? Sad thing is, they exchanged their souls for what they craved. 
their cravings, their desires, made them lose their souls. They crossed the line between what they needed and what they craved. And in turn, they lost their souls. Think about it for you and me today. Is that line between what you need and what you crave for, is it now become blurry in your own life? That all of a sudden, you know, I mean, for many of us, we remember how God has, has performed miracles in our lives. We know how God has purposefully looked after us and has intentionally or meticulously looked after each and every one of us. Like the Israelites, we know when God has made us walk on dry ground, right? We know when God has, has put food on the table, he has rained down manna from heaven. Sometimes we know, man, I'm broke. I don't have anything, but God has sustained us. We know for sure when God has provided for us, right? For many of us, that is so clear. But like Israelites, have we started making demands to God? Have we started making demands based on the things that we are craving and not necessarily on the things that we actually need in our lives? You know, when that line becomes blurry, then we are in danger of losing our very essence before God. Oftentimes, we are giving God demands, right? We are giving God, this is what I want, this is what I want. Has that line become blurry? You know, here's the challenge in, in all this that if you want to think about it from whatever, whatever perspective, it's not that God could not take Israel out of Egypt. But it was that could God take Egypt out of the Israelites? Could he take their way of thinking, their way of their hearts that were within Egypt, that were stuck within Egypt, the ways of Egypt, the things that they thought Egypt would provide. It works the same way for us today, right? It's not that God cannot save us. It's that can we ourselves pull ourselves out of the world? Can we live as children who are of another kingdom, not of this present kingdom. It's amazing what Jesus says in the New Testament later on. Jesus says these words in Matthew 24 verse 12. He says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. This morning, my brothers and sisters, has your love grown cold because of what you want? Because of what our cravings are, because of what our desires are. Where is your heart this morning? 
So when Israel got to this bad place, what did God do? Did he forget them? Did he dump them? No. God did not do that. So what lesson did they learn? Remember what we talked about last week? We said, a test is an opportunity to show God what is in your heart. God saw what was in their hearts. They were not willing to give their souls. They were not willing to give God their very essence. But it was also an opportunity, as we talked about last week, a test is an opportunity for us to learn a new lesson from God. So what lesson did God teach them here? Look at what he did. Let's look at Exodus chapter 17 from verse 4 to verse 7. I hope this is making sense to you and I this morning. Amen? I hope, I hope it's, it's reaching your heart. I hope you're learning something that is making you go, hmm. Or at least something that's making you go, wow, I need to re, re-look at myself and re-look at my, my life here. So, remember what, what, what Israel have done, they've complained, they've said whatever they need to say. Uh, we're going to take communion shortly. Uh, so, but I'll let, I'll let the ushers know when to, when to go out and get, uh, and get the communion for us. But let's learn this lesson. So what lesson did God teach them? It says from verse 4, then Moses cried out. The Israelites obviously had asked for, okay, we want water. They're demanding water. They're no longer willing to move. They're no longer willing to give their souls to God. They're demanding. We want this. Okay. And in verse 4, then Moses cried out to the Lord. What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses. Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. And take, and take in your hand the stuff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of, uh, of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? As we close out, I want to talk about three Hebrew words that, uh, that I think will be, will, be, will be critical for us to learn from but that we are taking from the scripture. And um, so Moses cries out to God. And the word for cry is uh, zayaka, which means it's a cry of distress. So Moses, his cry, you can almost feel, you know, possibly his, his, his distress perhaps for his people, or he's probably distressed for his own life here. He's feeling like God what am I to do here? He's feeling like, maybe God, I'm in distress. I'm, I'm fearful of how these people, they are, they, you know, they are not even willing to give you, uh, give, give you their souls. What could they possibly do to me? He's probably distressed because of his own people. And now, in that state that he is in, now think about his distress and so forth. What does God say to him? 
it says, uh, firstly, goes in verse 5, it says, go out in front of the people, right? And then it says, take some of the elders with you. Then I'm going to, verse 6, it says, I will stand, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and the water will come out of it for the people to drink. Let's deal with the first one. He's in distress. What does God say to him? Go and stand before the people. I mean, these are the very people he's, he's afraid of. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how God deals with us in our distress, right? He wants us to face our, he wants us to face the very thing we are running away from. Okay? And he says, so go and stand before the people. And then that's the first thing. Now, and then now, he says, take the elders. So he takes the elders from Horeb to a place, uh, sorry, from Rephidim and to a place called Horeb. Horeb is a, is a region, but uh, in, uh, Horeb just describes the whole region of Sinai, uh, where Mount Sinai is. But he says, so go to the, uh, go, go to the rock at Horeb. So the distance between Rephidim where they were and Horeb, where God is telling him to be, him and the elders, uh, it's not like just round the corner. Scholars tell us it's between anything between uh, 11 kilometers and 17 kilometers within that radius. So, can, can you imagine they're walking the first mile, or the, you know, the first kilometer, second kilometer, third, and so forth. I'm sure the elders are thinking, What's going on here? Where, where, where are we going now? And they keep walking. I wonder what's going on in their hearts. I wonder what's going on in their minds. So, uh, so God says these words, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Two more words, Hebrew words that I want us to think about. Before and strike, the ones that I've uh, underlined here. The first word before, he's saying it means panem, which means I'm going to stand against that rock or I'm going to stand around that rock or right in front uh, of that rock. And then when he says strike, the word strike is nakah, which is to beat down or to strike, to kill. So, what did the elders and Moses, what did they see? I tried to, I'm not a great artist, so some of you guys who are young, please don't laugh at me uh, in, my, in my drawings. I'm not a great artist, so I tried to, to visualize what this must have looked like. So, okay, this is... Moses, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Now I see, I see, uh, I, I have a mountain there somewhere, so I put it in a, in a, in a, another color, so it's not really, it's not really clear, so, but I'm sure you like the stick and you like the, like the, a little bit of a beard and so forth. Don't judge me. But, so, I couldn't draw God, so I just put somewhere there where that red line is where God would be. So God 
it's Moses and his stick, God, and then the mountain. So imagine a mountain on the other side there. So it's in a different color. So what did God say? He said, I want you to strike to kill. I am standing before or in between you and the mountain or against the mountain. Who is Moses striking to kill? He's striking to kill who? God, right? You know, what is God saying? So what is, what are the elders learning? What are the elders seeing here? You know, God is saying, Moses, I know that the people deserve judgment. But I want you to strike me. Strike me and I will provide for them. Kill me, then I will provide for them. I'm going to sacrifice myself for them, even though their souls are not willing to follow. Even though they are not willing to to worship me, to give me their souls, to give me every single thing, I am going to still provide for them. Of course, we've got to pause at this stage and say, does this not just point to the cross? Does this not just point to who Jesus is in our lives and what he represents? If I can just ask the ashes, whoever is uh, going to go to the back to just hand out the bread as we're going to pray. But... Oftentimes, I think when we read the the Old Testament, we think normally of, or we see a God who is ruthless, right? Who is just willing to kill. Who is just willing to do whatever it is. But we don't realize how God of the Old Testament wants to say to his children, I'm a different God. I'm a God who is different. Who is different from every other God. Who is different from the gods that you might have known or the gods of Egypt who used to strike you, who used to beat you down. But I am a different God. I'm a God who is willing to sacrifice myself so that I can be able to provide for you. You know, what's interesting is when you think about these kinds of lessons, you also, oh, for me, I also can't help but realize there are three kinds of people. They're obviously the, the people like Moses who will be feeling like, but God, can you not see how they are sinning? And then there's the, the elders who are watching this unfold. And then there's the people at the end who are just the recipients of what God is providing. Oftentimes, this is what we look at, right? The end result. The water that came out. And we say to ourselves, that is an amazing miracle, right? And I'm sure that water may have flowed all the way for those 10 kilometers right to where the Israelites were. And they possibly were 
amazed. Oh, where is this water coming from? But I believe that you and I this morning, we have a chance of being able to take a step back and appreciate the kind of God that you and I serve. The kind of God who is willing to go behind the scenes and do whatever it takes to provide for you and for me. And that is the same God who provided his son to be able to die for you and for me. As we are holding the bread, that bread represents Jesus' body. In a few moments, we're going to be taking the wine which represents his blood. That was God again working behind the scenes and making sure that whilst we were still sinners, Christ will die for you and me. I hope and I pray that you were encouraged and you were inspired by the God that we see in the Old Testament. And hopefully that you and I, we can be able to pass the test, the test of giving God our very souls.